Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, folks, and welcome to another edition of the Stone and Tile Show. I am your host, Fred Houston, and we're going to be bringing you a, a pretty informative and ex- exciting interview here. We are going to be interviewing John Kessler with MAPEI. Now, for those of you unfamiliar with who MAPEI Corporation is, well, first of all, shame on you. But anyway, uh, they've developed into a worldwide leader and manufacturer of total systems for the installation of floor coverings in commercial and residential construction. I recommend them all the time when I do specifications. And while they they do installation systems for carpet and wood, we're going to be concentrating today on stone and tile installations. We'll get John on the phone here in a minute. And while he's calling in, let me go ahead and uh, read you John's bio here. Uh, John has been with Mapei Corporation Technical Services for just over four years. He started working with contractors and homeowners alike while they're with their product support team. He is currently one of Mapei's architectural advisors and technical service and works closely with Mapei's architectural team as well as architects, designers. John is well-versed in the TCNA handbook for ceramic, glass, and stone tile installation, ANSI standards, CAD specifications, as well as general product knowledge. Prior to coming to Mapei, he started the construction trade as a young boy, like we all have, uh, working with his dad, a custom home builder who did his own tile work. Early in his career, John served as a U.S. Marine for five years. Thank you for your service, John, including guarding one of our nation's embassy in La Paz, Bolivia, where he became fluent in Spanish. So I'll promise we will do this interview in English. The Marines also installed the skill of attention to detail, a skill which... Once taught by a Marine drill instructor, is never forgotten. Ain't that the truth? Shortly after being discharged, John learned how to do mud work from a California tile craftsman. He soon parlayed this along with the construction skills of his youth and a short period of time working as a union tile setter into his own business, becoming owner-operator of Kessler Enterprises, where he successfully honed his trade skill while doing carpentry, painting, tiling, remodeling, tile and stone restoration for 35 years. During a short break from his business in 2000, John accepted the position of a general manager of a large tile and stone restoration company in Chicago. As a tile stone contractor, John became a member of the MIA, which is now called the Natural Stone Institute, the NSI, uh, where he joined the group's committee and helped rewrite the chapters of Sealers and Troubleshooting and Dimensional Stone Design Manual. He's also a current member of NTCA, and John brings plenty of hands-on practical knowledge to his job, which makes him a perfect fit for Mapay's team, an asset for his coworkers as well as Mapay's clients, and as well as this show. So let me get John in here and uh, welcome him to the show. John, are you there? We are present and accounted all, for. All right. Well, I hope you heard your introduction. I hope I did did you justice there. <laughs> you did it awesome. Anyway, you made a lot of stuff up, but that'll work. Yeah, that that that's always a good thing, right? <laughs> well, we've got we, we've got you know we I tell everybody we collaborate on a bunch of questions and the topics to go over, and uh, we we honestly might not get through them all uh, today. But if we do, we do, and if we don't, that's okay too. We can go in. We can go into uh, part two. So you know, as I mentioned in in my my introduction, uh, Mapay is you know one of the worldwide leaders, in my opinion, the worldwide leaders when it comes to many installation products, uh, particularly setting materials, grouts. Uh, sealers, membranes, et cetera, and we'll try to get all that in. But let's first, I think a topic that's, that that's installers have as well as the layperson has is the setting materials itself. So let's jump right into it, and let's tackle the first one, which is always comes up, what the heck is the difference between a modified thin set and an unmodified thin set, and what does the pay have for that? Great uh, question, Fred, and um, it really has uh, gone up over the years. If uh, we could uh, go back in time to when uh, tiles were first set on uh, things such as a pure Portland cement base, and you would just you know dampen it with water, and then you know set your uh, say porcelain tile right into the uh, material there, and so that in it of itself would have been uh, rated by today's standards as an unmodified or an ANSI rated A118.1 mortar. And as uh, time has uh, uh, evolved and uh, we've started to get into uh, the advanced setting materials, then we've uh, 
come up with uh, the modified, which is a, a a cement that's been modified with a latex emulsion, or else you go ahead and you could add that uh, so, uh, to the uh, product afterwards. So instead of adding water directly to the product, you could add a, a product such as our uh, Planet, uh, our Careply or our uh, Caroelastic could be added to our, uh, say, Carabond, which is a 118.1 unmodified mortar, or our Carabond T, which is a um, medium bed unmodified mortar. But once you add, say, the Caroelastic to that product, now you've turned it into an improved uh, modified mortar, which now it'll be one of the most durable standards. So you go from one of the most uh, uh, simple uh, uh, it doesn't have the uh, ultimate strength and compression and shear strength to it to one uh, that's the ultimate for an exterior freeze-thaw situation, such as our uh, Granny Rapid and our, uh, our infamous Carolastic Carabon. So uh, uh, I don't know if that will explain exactly what they are, but you're just really talking about one that's got an, an acrylic additive to it to one that doesn't. And, and you know and that that brings up a you know probably a more important question than that is that you know how how do I choose what to use Let, let's let's get into some some specifics um, you know for example let, let's talk large format tile uh, and let's talk specifically well we can talk specifically about a different types of we can talk about glass tile Let, let's talk about stone tile in general uh, and okay what I want to what and what I want to cover in stone tile as well. Make sure you hit on this is some of these resin back materials as well. What mortar would we choose for those situations? Okay, well you've uh, covered about a half a dozen things already in one question. <laughs> <laughs> so um, you know the the very first thing, and uh, you know I I would like to approach this like if I was taking the call in our call center uh, here or you know product support. And uh, you know we go by uh, the stack system, so we talk about substrate. We want to know about the tile or the stone. We want to know about the application, the conditions on site, and then, of course, the knowledge and the experience of the installer. So now let's, you know, fast forward all that. And you've already mentioned a stone. You've mentioned a resin-backed stone. So right off the bat, uh, typically with a resin-backed stone, uh, we're going to go ahead and look at our epoxy, such as our uh, Carepoxy 410. Uh, then you're going to look at, well, you know, what are the options? Some people don't like to work with epoxies. You know, they only have a limited time frame. It depends on your temperature. And they're only in set sizes that the entire unit should be mixed. So, you know, what else can we do? Well, then we do have our uh, EcoPrim grip, which is our bond-promoting primer. That can be rolled onto the uh, back of the surface of the uh, stone uh, that has this resin back. Uh, to it and uh, use just a simple 3 8 inch nap roller, let it dry, and then now you can go into a traditional uh, modified mortar to bond that. Oh, that's that's perfect, and that's you know not like the old days where we had to use epoxy, and of course, you know, a, a fiberglass backing, a resin bond backing is, is new to a lot of installers out there because I see the failures constantly on that. So that that's really good to know. Now, what about heat? You know, for example, I get this question all the time when it comes to fireplaces. You know, I want to install either stone or tile around the fireplace. Is the heat from the fireplace going to affect the type of setting mortar that I use? Absolutely. And while a lot of installers, including myself, when I was setting, you know, I didn't really think uh, too much of this. But uh, as I, uh, you know, became an employee with uh, uh, MAPEI, you know, my knowledge base continued to expand because now I'm seeing, you know, the failures as you talk about or hearing about them, and we're wondering, you know, what's the best suggestion for that. So, you know, MAPEI's stand on that is using a two-component uh, system. So anything like our uh, care bond, care elastic to our granny wrap system, which is the, obviously the fast set uh, system. So we're going to stand by the two-part system is the best. You know, does that mean that our uh, competitors that don't have two-part systems, that their materials won't work? Uh, absolutely not. You know, every manufacturer is different, and every manufacturer is going to stand by, you know, various uh, products that they've uh, concocted through their formulation. So, you know, for us, that's what our go-to is. But I have seen even as these now, I'm going to fast forward a little bit because you had start about the large format first let's uh, you know define what a large format uh, tile is and yeah, by today's uh, standards it is a, a tile that has 15 inches in length or longer on any one side so even those little 6 by 24 inch uh, plank tiles that have become so popular they are right. also known as a large format tile but so can a 12 by 24 which are very popular 
and then now ever so large are those big giant 5 by 10 panels. And mm-hmm. those are uh, not only considered large format tile because they can either be a 3 8 inch thick literal tile like the porcelain tile, or they can be as thin as 3.5 millimeters up to 6 millimeters. And now you're getting into a gauged porcelain tile slash gauged panel uh, tile slab uh, material. So now you've got several different materials that we just went over. All of them can take different uh, uh, setting materials. So uh, if we started with a large format tile, well, now we want to look at the, the newest designation that got approved by ANSI is an H-rated mortar for, you know, the heavy tile, which, you know, mm-hmm. is going to have some non-SAG uh, uh, capabilities to it if it's, you know, set in a horizontal fashion, and then we would like to call them. Sometimes it's confusing with a non-SAG or a non-slip on a vertical. I myself personally like to refer that to a, a non-slip, but that's only rated in the... Um, uh, in the ISO uh, standard with a T-rated mortar. Otherwise, the H-rated is for heavy tile for, uh, you know, a non-SAG situation. But putting all that together, where does that go with our materials? So, right. you know, for MAPE, for, let's, let's go with the gauge porcelain tile, which are those 3.5-millimeter to 6-millimeter tiles, and they can be, again, as large as 3-foot by uh, or 5-foot by 10-foot panels now. So those uh, tile we have, a, an excellent mortar is our Ultralight S2, which is a thixotropic, which basically is like a Heinz ketchup. You know, it holds the ridges when you uh, spread and trowel out the mortar, uh, but then once you start hitting it with the beater uh, block or, you know, a vibrating sander, it's going to go ahead and loosen up the material, and then it's going to allow to get a little bit better traction and a little bit better bond uh, capacity because we're still trying to, you know, shoot for the ultimate bond. So let's backtrack. Take off from there, Fred, so I uh, don't lose anybody here. <laughs> sure, 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 sure. Well, you know, let, let's talk. I mean, I, I know you sit and you answer tons of questions probably every single day, and I, I'm curious, and I'm sure our listeners are curious out there of all the questions you get. You know, what do you see as the number one failure with the setting mortars? You know, MAPEI doesn't have any failing uh, mortars. Well, However, I didn't mean, I didn't, I didn't mean MAPEI specifically. I know. <laughs> I just had to throw that out there. Uh, um, but, course, no, the, the biggest problem that, uh, that I've heard of and that I've seen is really is uh, improper uh, coverage or improper bond. So everybody has done everything from the spot bonding to the improper trowel size to not back buttering, which really is required for a 15-inch and uh, larger, uh, you know, large format tile. Back buttering is always required. And so, therefore, when we uh, see some tiles that uh, people just say are magically coming uh, loose, you know, we have that new one-sided thin set. You know, it's been out for a while now, but, uh, you know, it'll only stick to the substrate, but it doesn't stick to the tile. And, uh, you know, it goes right up there with the zebra-colored grout that, you know, it's multicolored right. <laughs> in the bag. We just didn't formulate it that way. But anyway, so what what happens, though, is when uh, they're, let's just say, using a trowel that's not big enough and uh, you see the lines of the trowel of the thin set on the back of the tile, well, that's showing that you have, you know, 50% or less coverage for coverage that's normally uh, required to have 85% coverage on a floor for the industry. So that right off the bat is the, the biggest problem. People aren't wiping the tiles properly, so they might have a dusting uh, from the dust press of the porcelain on the back of the tile. Uh, during shipment, uh, there can be issues with uh, shipment uh, products. So, you know, it's the biggest thing, like you said, is the... Um, of the lack of a proper uh, bond, so whether it be through coverage or just not getting the uh, material uh, on the back of the tile at all. And it's funny you should mention coverage because I, lately I've been looking at a lot of a lot of failures, and and I, to this day I cannot believe, and I'm sure you get this all the time, all the the spot method that's being used out there. Uh, yep. Just looked at a project in Minnesota that uh, n- never mind it didn't bond, but I mean they just used on these large three foot by three foot tiles, probably about six or seven dots. I'm like, you shake my head and you go, these guys are supposed to be experienced. They should know better. <laughs> read read yep, that and, and it, <laughs> Yep. Yep. But you know, and it can get confusing because there happens to be a spot bonding method in the manual. But what people are negating to look at is that that's for epoxy. 
And yep, so, you know, if you're not using that set material for that set method, uh, you're going to get a failure. But I'll tell you what happens is uh, the ease of being able to create a lipage-free or a reduced lipage because of these uh, either ungauged materials or the walls are out because they weren't properly uh, prepared. You know, that's why, you know, we've come up with some of our wall preparation products, such as our uh, uh, Planet Top 330 Fast, which is an awesome material to true up those walls. And, and, you know, we have our other materials, obviously, for setting up the floor. So, you know, there's a lot of cheating going on. It's been going on for a long time, but it's now just coming to a head as, you know, the popular tiles are getting more and more uh, uh, introduced into the uh, marketplace, and uh, people are trying to go a different way than uh, maybe they wouldn't have used before with the smaller tiles because they didn't require the buildup. Absolutely. Actually, we just got a question that came in. So uh, on my messenger, I'm going to read it to you, and I haven't read it yet, so hopefully it's not a surprising question for either one of us. <laughs> <laughs> and the question is, is resin backstone safe to use on shower floors since that backing seems to not allow water to freely pass through the stone in order to be escaped? Keep in mind that epoxy adhesive is water repellent is required to bond resin backstone to substrate, can it cause a discoloration, wet staining in stone since water can be trapped under or inside the stone? Actually, this is an interesting question. Do you, do you understand the question, John? Oh, absolutely, and I could almost guess yeah. who it uh, came from, but uh, yeah, because it's been yeah, a hot sure topic on know. the Internet. I'm sure we but, both know, uh, which is interesting. <laughs> He's doing some interesting, interesting experiments. So what, what's your say about that? <laughs> well, you know what? Um, First, I'm going to go ahead and say is, number one, that that particular type of stone should not be used in a wet area, and uh, it's, I think, most prominently displayed in the uh, Dimensional Stone Design Manual by the uh, Marble Institute of America, and I believe there's uh, somewhere else that we might have it. But if you're not familiar Amen. with you know, that handbook, and, uh, you know, you might only see it in there, and you might not see it in, in the TCNA uh, handbook. And that's why we have both of these industries, because, you know, the uh, the Natural Stone Institute's been along, around for a long time. They just recently, you know, come to join with the TCNA because of how many setters have been, you know, joining the ranks of setting stone. Well, hey, if we can set tile, we can set stone. Well, yes, but there are some differences there. Uh, when I was a uh, actually a union setter for a while, we had some of the setters were setting uh, 12 by 12 natural stone like you'd set tile, and so yep. you saw those floors had lippage up and down. They were sanding, or uh, they were um, uh, using sanded grout, so that was a huge issue uh, with scratching the surface, and it got things went by and people got paid and I honestly don't know how but uh, you know I learned from seeing that 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 was not how to uh, set stone and I you know common sense told me a little bit better but now at least we're trying to bring some uh, standards into the industry by mingling and meshing the uh, tile uh, uh, community with the stone community which I think is critical these days. Absolutely. You know, what amazes me, and Mape is actually really good at, at, at doing this, but unfortunately people don't read. And that is yes. I see yes. again Absolutely. and again where, you know, the limitations of all, all your products, at least from what I've seen, have, have you know, it's right on the bag in most cases. Yes. You know, don't, don't use this here, don't use that there, you know, don't use in this particular type of stone, and it's used anyway. So, yeah, that, that's one of my pet peeves is, uh, you know, guys read. <laughs> you know, exactly. Read. But but that's why we had to come up with pictures because people aren't reading. And uh, some, and sometimes the pictures get confused. We've had some people with our uh, self-levelers, and, you know, they put five gallons in instead of five quarts. Well, yeah, it's going to be a little soupy. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, thing, things do happen, and we're, you can only put so much information on on a, on a label, you know, which you know, kind of touches base with, you know, how many people are using organic uh, adhesives, you know, let's just say uh, like a type 1 type adhesive and putting over a waterproof membrane. And it says not yeah. to uh, uh, do it, but uh, it unfortunately happens every time. Will it work? Well, you know, maybe over time if it gets uh, dried long enough and it doesn't get wet too long, it may hold up but you know we're certainly not going to stand behind that and then or nor should you <laughs> yeah. right well you'd be surprised the uh, the people that do call into the manufacturers and uh what their expectations are 
try to blame you guys when they were doing the mess. Yeah, but we try, we try to help the best we can. And usually by, uh, you know, we have an awesome product support group here at MEPE. And, uh, you know, to give the direction of not only just saying whether something does or doesn't work, but try to also then point them in the correct uh, direction of how to make what they have work and how to correct a bad situation and try to turn it around without, uh, you know, things getting ugly out there. Because, unfortunately, you know, too many uh, – frivolous lawsuits are going on and uh, you oh, know yeah. we try to just you know turn a, a, a bad situation and try to turn it around that's a good thing although it keeps me busy so <laughs> <laughs> but uh, i know what i want to be uh, when i grow up <laughs> there you go well we're probably about the same age i you know it's funny back in back in my day my dad was also a tile setter so i grew up mixing what we in the industry call mud uh, not really mm -hmm. a technical term, but all the installers out there should know what mud is. Do, do you see that kind of, I mean, I, I've seen that trend lately, but that kind of disappearing. Do you see that as well? You know, the uh, you know installations. Not, yeah. You know, that, that, that's a great question again, uh, Fred. And, you know, I I could see how certainly you know one person may be having that uh, that viewpoint, but from us you know we continue to expand with our uh, uh, materials for the thick bed and coming out with uh, newer products. So you know where we started out with, for example, our simple four to one, and guess what that is? You know, like a four parts Portland to one parts uh, uh, sand, and that particular uh, mud bed mix um, has gotten extremely popular. And then uh, we've added to the mix since then our modified mortar bed and then as of late added our plant of slope rs for the rapid set so people are still using them but we've had to try to find ways to speed up uh installations and still you know come up with a a um high strength uh uh product that you know could uh be gotten on top of quickly with the various waterproofings and the various uh, thin sets for some of the you know uh, projects that are requiring the, the the quicker get on top of get in get out type of projects. So you know, and I, I I'm I'm staying away from the word fast track because unfortunately that word has been uh, dispelled in the industry. And you know the proper terminology of fast track means is they're designing the upper floors while the the and they haven't even been bid on it on the upper floors of say of a multi stage uh, or story complex and then you're you've already started construction on the lower floors and that's all been priced out so fast track is you know uh, it's a, a construction process it's not necessarily meant to mean um a rapid uh setting product but uh we right. do have plenty of those for those types of projects as well Let, let's switch gears a little bit and talk a little bit about grouts um, you know, you are. I think you've already mentioned. You know, sanded grout on marble tile floors. We all know that shouldn't be done. But what type of grouts does my pay offer? And you know, where would you use those particular type of grouts? Again, it, uh, it's a great uh, topic. Uh, grout. They've come a long, long way. You know, I I remember the days when I was a setter out in uh, Arizona, and we were mixing our you know our two to one uh, and uh, with uh, uh, silica sand in Portland, and I was mixing the 90 grit and the uh, 60 grit or sometimes as low as a 30 grit and we did it all because you're using you know so many pounds of uh, uh, grout but um, nowadays you know we've got and then uh, then I like to go through the ages where before it was a wall grout and it was a floor grout so wall grout was unsanded and floor grout was sanded and then it turned into a a sanded and unsanded grout because of the the, the the size of the grout joint. So, for example, anything that is a is a, a sixteenth of an inch to an eighth of an inch grout joint. Well, now you're going to use an unsanded grout joint typically, and then right. anything that's an eighth of an inch and larger, all the way up to sometimes three quarters of an inch. You know, sometimes even larger than that is now going to be a sanded grout. Well, today I like to call some of the newer grouts we have. So you start off with a Caracolor U, which would be our unsanded, and I would call that for delicate marble and stone uh, that you had that tight joints and then I would uh, get into the Kara uh, color S which would be your sanded for your 16th to 8th inch and maybe a, a lower budget uh, uh, project and then the newer technology has brought us into our uh, ultra color plus FA which now is a uh, third generation. When I started uh, years ago using MAPE products, we had the Ultra Color. That turned into the uh, Ultra Color Plus, and now we're into the Ultra Color uh, Plus FA, all with the uh, you know, technology uh, changes. But now that particular grout 
uh, FA stands for fine aggregate, and that can take us from a one-sixteenth inch grout joint all the way up to a three-quarter inch grout joint. Oh, so, wow. and then you know, it's got a lot more stable on the uh, colors than you know your typical caracolor or unsanded and sanded uh, you know modified grouts. So. Um, the other thing that we've changed is, uh, or advanced in, is uh, going into our ready-to-use grouts. And when I first heard of these coming on, I go, oh, my God, we're putting mastic in between the tile. And we already know mastic doesn't fare too well in the water and blah, blah, blah. And I'll tell you what, you know, our, our Flex Color CQ has proven to be one of the most dynamic grouts that has uh, come out today for the company. And then uh, we've added even to that because it's become so popular. We've got our Flex Color 3D, which is awesome for glass tile. Now, one thing that I would like to mention to our listeners, though, is that we can't just presume that just because we've got a grout that we say can be used on stone and it can be used in 16th-inch joints and it can be used on glass tile, that they shouldn't be doing a little mock-up of their own to make sure the suitability of the uh, material and our material. Because all too often you might get a, a metal, you know, multimedia uh, product that's put in there, or you might get a a a, a, um, a glass tile uh, that has an iridescence uh, finish on it that's not uh, fired the same way that you know uh, another glass tile is, and then you might have a sense scratch sensitive surface. So I strongly recommend all the uh, uh, users and installers of our uh, products that whenever you're trying something different uh, to please go ahead and do a, a mock-up and see how it cleans up and see uh, if it, uh, it damages the material that you're installing in any way, shape, or form. And that's great advice. I mean, I would love to see more installers uh, do that as well. But, you know, one thing you brought up while we're talking about the um, the width of the grout joints, and this is a particularly true, on, or not true, but particularly controversial, I guess is the word I should use, that uh, I get back and forth all the time. Some guys saying, yeah, you can do this. Other guys saying, yeah, you can't do this. I'd like to know what my pays policy is on installing stone tiles with what we call butt joint or no joints. <laughs> <laughs> you know, in uh, my pay policy is industry standard. So you really made an easy question for you. And industry Good. standard <laughs> says uh, both on behalf of TCNA and of the uh, uh, Natural Stone Institute is nothing less than a sixteenth of an inch, and it will specifically say no butt joints, period. And, you know, I have never seen so many butt joints as I have since I've come here to Florida. In fact, I've never seen yep. so much of anything since I've come back here to Florida. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm really you. surprised how we are a licensed uh, tile or contractor state, and I I don't know where the licenses are going out to because, unfortunately, while there are the good contractors, please don't get me wrong on this, there's too many in our trade uh, that are picking up a bucket, and uh, they've got – I don't know where these habits have come from, and maybe they've been proven okay to be uh, in different uh, cultures. But what's happened here in the United States is we are a culture that has – uh, a lot of wood frame construction, and you don't see that in too many other uh, regions across the world. And so you've got a very unstable material, and then you have the temperature and the humidity swings because we do actually have air conditioning that can dry things out or pump in the humidity, and you know you've got mm -hmm. the the heating. And so when you combine that compared to somebody that might have had you know block construction, or they might have had you know all concrete uh, construction, and then they might have a very temperate uh, zone that wasn't equipped with, uh, you know, the nice things like air conditioning and heating. And so you had very stable uh, environments right. that maybe you could get by with that butt joint. But here in the United States, absolutely not. And I just see more failures uh, as a contractor and just as a, a civilian walking around the streets here and into various uh, establishments and uh, seeing um, uh, the failures left and right because of that. And it's, uh, I see that as well, you know, especially in South Florida. I'm down there all the time, and, you know, I always say, you know, how you become a, a, a tile installer in Florida is you get a pickup truck, you get a grout float and a trowel, you raise your right hand, you're now a tile installer. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least Maybe that's even what now it your seems left like hand. half the time. <laughs> yeah, that's I, what it seems, seems, seems like half the time. It's just it's it's amazing how many failures. And not, not just in, you know, 
how do I word this? Inexpensive spec homes. I mean, I've seen these in, you know, twenty, thirty million dollar homes, and I just, I just don't understand it. But uh, exactly. anyway, let's well, let's switch gear. Well, actually, positive note. Other... Positive note. <laughs> yes, and I don't know whether I was not listening to you or not, but did we talk about epoxy grouts? You know what we didn't uh, as of yet, and uh, well, with epoxies, <laughs> you know, okay, that's a wonderful topic. <laughs> so here with uh, Mape, you know, it's what's nice about the the versatility of product. We've got, you know, I mentioned the Carepoxy 410 for bonding, but we also have our, our Carepoxy CQ and our other uh, Carepoxy, which. Um, can be used both as a setting mortar and as a uh, grout. So just depending on your suitability and material, because before we know, we're going to start talking about moisture-sensitive stone, and then yep. we're going to have uh, you know a, a different uh, setting uh, material where to apply that. But yeah, our Carepoxy CQ is a color-coded quartz. So it, what it basically does is uh, it'll go from a sixteenth of an inch and all the way up to I think a half an inch. I'll have to pull that one up on my data sheet because I forgot to tell you the truth. With that darn uh, AARP kicking in here, but um, yeah. <laughs> I, I went ahead and uh, with the uh, Carepoxy CQ and the color coated quartz that I was going to mention, though, is you can use that say on a a, a light colored. Uh, marble or uh, granite, and as long as it's not uh, sensitive to the epoxy, which you have to, you know, of course, uh, do a mock-up and test, whether it's going to absorb and stain or whether it's going to go ahead and dry out and not react with the crystals, uh, now you've got an awesome material, say, using our number 38 avalanche white, whereas uh, the other difference that I want to mention between the two. So why do you have two setting uh, epoxies and two grouting epoxies? Well, the older formulation was using a silica sand as a uh, filler and then using dyes. And the uh, newer one, uh, the Carepoxy CQ, while they both have the same chemical uh, resistance uh, to them, the Carepoxy CQ is using the colored quartz as the filler, so that's where the color is being derived from. And then uh, it's allowing you to do a little bit of a fuller joint when you're uh, installing the material because an epoxy will tend to sag uh, a little bit during installation. But they're both uh, water cleanup and a very uh, simple to use uh, as long as you know some of the tricks. And that's where it comes into skilled installers that uh, can read, follow instructions, and do some yeah. uh, testing until they hone their skills on that. I remember I used to hate a epoxy, and I'm still not a huge, huge uh, advocate of it because it does require the extra time and some extra caution and some extra steps. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people do just want to get in and get out and get paid for a job. But uh, there are times that uh, epoxy is absolutely necessary. Um, you can go into, we, I don't know if you want to talk about it, but commercial kitchens, for example, would be a prime candidate Well, I was going to, that. was going to be my next question was, you know, where would we choose to use an epoxy over a, uh, a cement-based uh, grout? I mean, yeah, cement-based grout is what I'm talking about here, epoxy grout. Where would I, where okay. would I choose to use that? All right. Well, and what I would uh, strongly suggest is first it's going to depend on uh, where somebody's, what their expectations are because some people are asking for you know as maintenance free and there is no such thing but as maintenance free of a uh, product as they can get in there and if uh, if the epoxy grout is in their budget that's going to be my uh, first choice but I do want to pre preclude that with an epoxy grout does not just while it's stain resistant does not mean that it's necessarily going to be number one stain totally stain proof or soil proof because what I've seen happen when I've gone on inspections myself as an installer is that somebody would say well we paid for the epoxy grout and you know all our joints are black well I knew right away it was just soil and I went in there with an alkaline cleaner and I went ahead and uh, uh, put it on let it dwell for a few brushed it off right back to the original uh, color because you've got grout joints that are recessed and depending how often you sweep, mop, vacuum, and then uh, use water to clean, which uh, you know a lot of times is why the soil settles to the bottom of the grout joint and then turns black eventually. Well, now you've got a, a great grout, but it just wasn't maintained properly. But now so let's change gears and go into commercial kitchens that now you've got uh, all these uh, – fats and greases and, you know, uh, food particles and everything getting in there, and they all have different chemical compositions to them. So what will happen is between the fatty acids 
And then sometimes the cleaning uh, chemicals that are used, they can be very, very harsh in a kitchen, uh, commercial kitchen, especially environment. So, you know, we have a specific epoxy grout for that, our Carepoxy uh, 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 CQIEG, or <laughs> the boy fused me right now, but our Carepoxy IEG CQ, and that particular uh, product, uh, will withstand, you know, uh, the harsh uh, chemical environment as well as the harsh uh, cleaning chemicals. You know, you have some of the uh, enzymatic uh, cleaners, and those cleaners in and of themselves won't damage the uh, grout, but once you get the fatty acids that they interact with, now you've got a caustic solution that is very harsh on cement grout and it's very harsh on a typical um, uh, epoxy grout. And I'll also mention, too, I know I've run into certain areas of the country where actually epoxy grout is becoming a uh, part of the code, um, especially in a commercial kitchen and, and some other areas. I'm sure you've run into that as well. Yeah, and, I, and again, and I'm not as uh, uh, tuned to the uh, codes that are out there uh, pertaining to that, but that certainly makes a lot of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so let's talk about and this is pretty obvious, it's in the TCNA manual, it's in a natural stone manual, but for the sake of, you know, installers out there that are listening or even just a normal person that's listening, the layperson that's listening, let's talk about flatness of the surface. You know, we could have the best mortar in the world, best setting materials in the world. If we don't have a flat surface, you know, first of all, let's talk about how flat it has to be and what we would do to correct that. Okay, well, Fred, the first thing we want to determine on how flat it should be should be actually in the tile size of itself. So your standard tile all the way up to the 15-inch size, your uh, our, our handbook requirements call for a one-quarter of an inch uh, in 10 feet or a sixteenth of an inch in one foot. But once you start getting into the 15-inch and larger tiles, now you've uh, cut that in half and now it needs to be down to one-eighth of an inch in 10 feet and a sixteenth of an inch in two feet. And that's from high point to high point. So very critical. So even if you had the truest rectified tile or the best, you know, large uh, format tile or even a gauge porcelain tile, uh, you're going to start to uh, uh, run into lippage issues if you're not within those tolerances. Uh, and that's where, again, the setting material, the medium bed mortars, you know, have the uh, MAPE happens to have the uh, Ultraflex uh, LFT, which is uh, for large format tile, and it's, you know, high polymer content. It's uh, great for build and body to go up to, a, you know, the three-quarter inch moon trowel, as I would call it. And so instead of spot bonding, use a right-size trowel and get the surface <laughs> flat, and now you don't have to worry about your uh, proper coverage with the tiles. Now, what about over wood? Does does it work over wood? Well, you know, uh, that that is a, a a good topic. And now, for going over wood, you have to consider first how much room you have and how many layers of plywood, how thick the plywood is, uh, what your joist spacing is, what your joist sizes are, because now you're getting into a deflection issue. So not only a flatness. Mm -hmm. But now you're getting into, you know, what kind of loads it can take. And so, right. you know, tile in it of itself requires an L over 360, where um, natural stone requires double that, or actually, which is technically half of that, which would be um, L over 720. So... Um, from there, you know, if you, I've done I've done double plywood installs with Carolastic and Carabond back in the day. I had lippage-free installations with it, and I was bonding directly to uh, natural stone. I know uh, one of my um, colleagues out in the marketplace in the Northeast, uh, he has done uh, just thousands and thousands of feet with uh, marble directly to plywood. And you say, you know, how can that be? And that's insane. Well, not if you have the skilled enough uh, uh, professional that's installing it and it is with the right uh, standard of a substrate. And double plywood is a suitable uh, substrate according to even to the uh, TCNA and uh, the, Mar the Natural Stone Institute. Now, going back, I know you had mentioned this before, and I want to make sure we cover this because you mentioned it, and people might be out there scratching their head going, you know, do I need to use a primer? Okay, and this is, you know, I think where we're going to get a little bit of a, a disconnect here or what might have happened is we did go from a direct bond theory to uh, flattening, and then we uh, didn't mention uh, self-leveler. So when you get into a yeah. floor, for example, that's not flat enough, 
whether it be concrete or whether it be wood, then yes, you do absolutely need a uh, primer uh, for all of our MAPES levelers, uh, with exception of our uh, uh, new product that's uh, come out and hit the marketplace. It's called the Planet. Polyplan RSL, and that's uh, a two-part uh, mix. It does not require uh, water, uh, but it, uh, nor does it require a primer, but it is an A and a B mix. So you, you'd have to do a full mix for the uh, product. No partial mixes, I know myself as a setter. I've cheated and I've done it with epoxies when it's not called for. I'm sure lots of people have done it out that are either listening or out in the field have done it. But um, you're really playing with fire when you start to uh, do your own concoctions and you don't know what those chemical uh, ratios are. You know, I was using digital scales, so I got things, you know, as evenly divided as I could. And, you know, fortunately, I didn't have any issues. But it is not uh, condoned to do that uh, here at MAPE. But going back to that, primer, yes, absolutely, is a general uh, 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 application for all of our levelers. And then um, uh, when you're getting on top of wood, we do have some primers that uh, don't require a diamond mesh, but most of our other ones, like a primer T that you can you know, roll right onto the wood, now you're going to require uh, a diamond mesh to be uh, stapled down and adhered as well before you uh, apply your uh, um, self-leveler. Great information. Now, one of one of my pet peeves is that uh, when I talk to someone that's not in my industry, and they start throwing all the acronyms around, you know, A B C D D D, you know, whatever you want to call them. So, <laughs> we, we've got some in our industry as well. <laughs> so oh that, yeah. That's actually my my next question. Let's take a look at CSP and SSD. What are those? Okay, well, uh, CSP is a uh, term to uh, establish, uh, you know, concrete surface profile. So you can always see in a lot of the literature, and especially uh, before applying a primer or self-leveler, uh, sometimes uh, even perhaps a, a thin set, but it's going to uh, just basically uh, go from on a scale from 1 to 10, from everything as much as a uh, steel uh, finish, and then you can have a CSP1, which is just going to have a very, very light uh, abrasion, and then all the way up to a 10, which would be you know a scarified surface that it is uh, is uh, uh, bumpy as the uh, the the Grand Teton. So you know right. here, um, so so the, so the CSP just basically though to simplify it though is a concrete surface uh, profile. Uh, SSD is referring to a surface saturated dry, and all that means is a lot of times uh, uh, a lot of setters are aware of this that some of the cement boards or fiber boards that are out there uh, they're uh, very porous, and before they put their thin set on, uh, this is just one case, they'll go ahead and they'll take a, a wet or a damp sponge and they'll cl clean off. Not not only are they cleaning off the surface, getting any dust and contaminants off, but they're also giving the surface a drink of water. And once they do that and then start to use a, a thin set type material, now you're going to go ahead and you're going to get a better bond because the material is going to already be saturated with a little bit of water and then it's going to tend to draw some of those cement uh, molecules in there and you're going to get them, believe it or not, after you key in the material uh, and its material starts to set, it's going to get a much better bite than had you not uh, done the uh, surface saturated dry. You know that that brings up an interesting point. I remember, you know, going back to our dads teaching us how to uh, how to install tile. And Adam, I remember my dad doing uh, saltillo tile, what we call Mexican tile here mm -hmm. in Florida. And we used to soak it in water. I mean, you have big big you know buckets. We take the tiles and soak them in water for that same for that same reason. But you know, is that really necessary with some really really porous materials with some of the new setting materials that you guys have? Do you still recommend you know soaking the tile as well or not, or is it necessary? You know, that's, uh, again, another example to an extreme, which, uh, again, I did uh, when I was out in Arizona. I put down thousands of feet of the uh, San Marcos and the Saltillo uh, Mexican uh, tiles. And uh, because the thin sets that we have and with the wetting agents and everything that are in those, and we even in uh, uh, Arizona had a, uh, a competitor that had a hot weather mix uh, was one of their uh, – Insets and I use that, and I never pre-soaked the tile. I dusted them off with my little foxtail, made sure the concrete was you know cleaned up and was dampened, and then I went ahead and I set my tile. However, before I grouted my material, I came in the house literally with a garden hose and soaked the tiles from the top down, 
and then I grouted so that it wouldn't dry out the grout so fast because I was using a natural grout without the wetting agents. As I told you earlier, I was mixing right. you know, the uh, silica sand with a pure Portland cement, so it didn't have any chemical additives. So by having that product uh, dampened uh, first certainly uh, stopped any shrinkage and uh, powdering of the grout because people that didn't do that, you'd find you'd have a very weak mix that literally you could scratch out the grout with your fingernails. So with our products, the way that they've been designed for many years, I don't see that it's necessary to go ahead and do that. Um, uh, but it is very important to, to determine what type of grout you're going to use and how you're going to handle whether you're going to pre-seal or not before you grout because something does have to slow that moisture down. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, the, it, an interesting – I'm thinking of all these questions as you're talking, which, you know, is not on our list of questions, but some, <laughs> some interesting, interesting things. I just happened to think back on a uh, a couple of projects that, that I was involved with from an inspection standpoint where we had a bond failure. And uh, th everything was done properly except we discovered that this was a slab on grade, so the tile was adhered directly to the slab, that they used mm -hmm. a curing agent on the concrete. So there was no absorption of the concrete. And I, I think going back to setting materials, especially that a non-epoxy, a cement-based setting material, uh, you need that absorption in order for it to bond. If there's no absorption there, it's not going to bond. Am I, am I correct? Absolutely. And uh, you're going to notice that if you uh, somebody does take the time to uh, read our technical data sheets, which any installer and any user of uh, our products or any of our competitors' products please just get the app and download the darn data sheets and read them. I don't care how many years you've been doing it. You've been doing it for 30 years. I always say now the the the, the new 30 is the old 20. You know, first everyone's doing it for right. 20 years. Now they're doing it for 30 years. And I like to say when I was on the phone with some contractors, you know what? Plank tile hasn't been out for 30 years, nor has it been out that's for 20 right. years. So don't tell me, you know, how you could do this. But, you know, but that's the difference of being, uh, you know, versed with, uh, you know, what the uh, directions are uh, from the manufacturer. And everyone's going to say is, uh, you know, proper surface preparation. And the bottom line is you do need an absorbent uh, surface. And so we, the easiest one you can do is a water drop test. And then yep. just, you know, put a drop of water and see, you know, if it absorbs within 60 seconds, you know, you're going to be good to go. But if you have a steel trowel or if you have a retarder or a curing agent or a sealer or stained concrete or uh, polyurethane or whatever the case is, that does have to get uh, addressed and uh, properly removed. Or one like I saw not too long ago where someone went over, uh, installed tile in a large apartment store over carpet glue. <laughs> Oh, you know, I've seen worse yeah. on the Internet where they've literally installed over carpeting. Oh, gee whiz. <laughs> yeah. They're it's, out it's there. Amazing. It's amazing. It's, it's actually amazing. So let's talk about how thick can I go with a single lift. Okay, well, that would be pertaining to our, our levelers. And, you know, we have several out there. And, you know, we have uh, what you would call a uh, a single lift with a product that you just added water without adding uh, aggregate, which would be called extending our thin set, I mean our levelers. And we have one of our products, I believe it's our Nova Plan, that will be able to go all the way for, all the way up to uh, two inches. And then with uh, an extension of a 30% uh, by uh, weight, I believe it is, um, you could then go all the way up to uh, three inches deep. And so it just depends on the product. We have approximately 13 different levelers MAPE makes, and you go, oh, my gosh, how come any – so many, and everybody's got a need, a different need. Sometimes they're, they just need, uh, you know, there's always that system of good, better, best. Every manufacturer yep. has it, and as much as you've got your best product and you want to be the best, well, no, you also have to have an economy uh, line that uh, for the budget-minded uh, consumer, and that's what they need. Uh, you also uh, can change the uh, difference in the material by uh, an eighth of an inch versus a feather edge or up to the one inch versus up to one and a half inches or up to two inches, you know, uh, to fast dry. To So we have uh, all these different uh, levelers that will help uh, attain those different attributes of what you're going to need on the job. So, you know, it's referring again back to the uh, to the stack that I talked about for the acronym of uh, substrate type of tile or stone application conditions on site or knowledge. So, you know, we've got our Extreme 2, which is uh, a self-leveler, which is typically not supposed to be exposed to the elements. That's why there aren't any levelers that should be used outside and then 
then again, why would you? Because you should be pitching away from a building or having runoff. Right. But uh, just in case you were thinking about using outside. But um, on the other token, uh, our Extreme 2 will allow you to use it in a, a, a construction site where the windows aren't in yet, and it might be exposed to the elements. So we've got everything from that to a liquid skim coat to a lightweight cementitious um, leveler, uh, you know, our Ultra Plan Light, where you don't uh, have to go to a gypsum-based uh, product. You can still use it as cementitious-based uh, and uh, still use a leveler. So, you know, uh, several, several different types of levelers for several different uh, types of uh, applications. But so uh, can, you know, hopefully I, that well, answered your. That's the long version. Yeah, I'm a reader. I'm. Uh, you're a reader I digest like guy. Version. I'm a Encyclopedia Britannica <laughs> guy. So <laughs> I, I I like the long version. Believe me, because if you don't give the long version, all kinds of questions come up. So can can I? You know, why would expand on that a little bit? Can we pour over another layer, or is once it's done, it's done? Oh, no, uh, we do have the uh, ability to uh, go ahead and reprime. You always have to, again, use the, uh, the primer. So, you know, on our smooth surfaces, you know, we have our uh, primer T, which is a, a great roll-on uh, product. And then uh, when you're, say, doing a first lift, I didn't mention, but we have a primer L. And so the primer L is more for the, the rough surface that you're going to go ahead that's got a CSP of the three or whatever they required for the uh, product that you can go ahead and set, I mean, put your primer and brush it in versus roll it on. But going back to your, your question, yes, um, you can do another lift, and you just have to let the material dry enough. You know, make, Again, make sure you read those data sheets to what your drying times are because uh, it is different for resilient as it is for uh, – a tile and stone, as well as it's different for each of the the products. So uh, yes, you can, but uh, make sure you read the data sheet. I want to switch gears again a little bit here. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, and this is a, a topic that I see all the time, and to this day, I can't believe it's still. Well, let me just say it. <laughs> Let's talk about green marble. <laughs> what they call what they call serpentines. Um, obviously, we know what happens if you set green marble in a in a standard thin set. Uh, it's going to curl. Uh, a condition we call hysteresis. So, you know, you record, do you, is there any other? And I think we may have mentioned this already, but is there any other product other than your epoxy that you would recommend for setting green green marbles? You know what, and uh, Fred, this is what I'll say to that. I just strongly recommend the uh, epoxy set for that. Will our uh, will our will our um, eco prim grip work on the back of that? Honestly, don't know because I don't think we've done any testing on it. You know, if I was a contractor, would I be willing to try the eco prim grip on there? Probably because you know I'm not going to call the manufacturer if I had a problem because I took the you know risk upon myself to do that. But there's nowhere stated that that's a suitable uh, application. I remember I used to put shellac. I learned to put clear shellac on the back of the uh, stone so that it wouldn't curl. And did it work? Yeah. Are you getting a bond? Yeah. How good is it? Well, I know the Carolastic. Uh, and care bond work, but you know, would uh, would right. one of our typical uh, mortars work? I I don't know, and I I care not to find out these days. So yeah, I would just stick with our Carepoxy 410 for that install. You know, we could we could spend a whole show on bonding issues, but what that yes. reminds me of is that I'm I'm in a constant argument with, and it's not pay with a uh, another company that does they they sell sealers as you guys do, but it's not you that recommends sealing the tiles with an impregnator prior to grouting. And my problem with that is that if you're using a, a water-based grout and you're using an impregnator that repels water, what happens? <laughs> Yeah, but and you know what you say, not us guys. But I'll tell you what, uh, you you did not say green marble, and we actually do have a technical uh, bulletin that you can do what you want to call the all-sided or six-sided sealing. But again, you're, it's going to be critical that you're using not every impregnating sealer you can do that with. You know those floral polymers and their silicone uh, and silicone-based uh, sealers, and so we do have our specific. Uh, sealers that you can actually do the all-sided sealing so if it's going to be sensitive uh, uh, to um, uh, darkening and, and, and you know and that's another topic is you know what's going to declare to be a moisture sensitive stone and since I've worked with limestones and marbles and granites alike, um, there's a bunch of different definitions to me about that. You know, I don't know what the stance mm -hmm. honestly is in the industry because I know, let's say, 
green marble and some black marbles and even some brown marbles are moisture sensitive that they will curl as you stated. Now we've also got some white marbles that will now go ahead and they'll absorb, say, an epoxy, and they're going to stay dark, so they're staying, so, so they're moisture sensitive in their own way. Then you have right. a limestone that you're using a cementitious um, uh, setting material with, and now you're going to have an issue that there's actually a chemical reaction between uh, the uh, minerals that are in the limestone that can permanently discolor and change color because of reaction with the alkaline that's in the cement. So, you know, what is and what isn't uh, moisture sensitive? Hey, you got to find out what the stone is. You got to do a mock up and you got to see what the best material is for that. And that's becoming more and more important because we're seeing, I mean, you know, back in our day, we, we had very limited number of, of uh, materials to work with. I mean, there were, you know, maybe 16 types of, uh, of granite out there at the time, and now we have hundreds, if not thousands, of types, and there's constantly new materials coming in that do some, do some funky things. Um, exactly. Well, it looks like it looks like we're running out of time, so there's definitely going to be a part two to this. <laughs> we'll go ahead and, and get that scheduled because I, I, there's so much I want to talk about. I want to talk about expansion joints. I want to talk about specifically wet areas, showers. Uh, we hit a little oh. bit on that uh, exterior stuff. So why don't we wrap things up with this, this John? Uh, let, let's give me kind of a, a quick rundown. You know, everyone, at least professionals, know no pay for their setting materials and their grouts. What else does Mapei have to offer? Wow. Well, you know, one of them you did uh, touch base at the beginning of the show, but, you know, we do have, you know, the UltraCare line, which uh, is not as well known as, you know, some of the competitors who've, uh, some of them have been well-established names and then they've been bought by other competitors. And then we, you know, we've got our own formulation where we've got, you know, some excellent chemists down in R&D. So UltraCare is an awesome line if, uh, you know, we'd have some uh, listeners who'd be willing to uh, give us a try. Uh, they're a little bit harder to get, but well worth the uh, venture if they go there. Uh, we have our FCIS. So TSIS is our tile and stone installation system. If you go to our website, you're going to see all these little different color uh, icon boxes next to all these acronyms of the names. And, you know, we have FCIS for floor covering installation systems. We have CRS for our uh, concrete restoration systems. And then we have now our marine division. And then we have, you know, our underground waterproofing. Uh, then we have, you know, uh, uh, things for um, actual admixtures. I think we have, you know, between 13 and uh, 15 different divisions of MAPPAY throughout the uh, world. Um, uh, we're, you know, housed out of uh, Milan, Italy, our mothership there. And, you know, I've been blessed to be here in uh, Deerfield Beach in Florida with a uh, corporate. And it's just uh, so nice to be exposed to, you know, some top-of-the-line products with a top-of-the-line uh, company that uh, can uh, cover uh, just so many product lines uh, within the construction industry. And I agree. So let's say uh, um, you do have training available. Let's give uh, a little bit of information on that and then uh, contact information if uh, anybody out there listening wants to uh, get a hold of uh, you or any of your technical guys. Yeah, awesome. Well, we do have uh, two uh, types of uh, training through our uh, MAPE Technical Institute, also known as the MTI. You know, we have the uh, basic uh, systems for both uh, the, the tile and stone and for the floor covering, and then we get into our advanced systems. And they're, they're held throughout our different branches, uh, you know, over uh, throughout United States at the different locations. Uh, you know, we have... Uh, Garland, Texas, West Chicago, Dalton, Georgia, Swedesboro, New Jersey, San Bernardino, California, and our favorite uh, for the people that like to come down here in the wintertime from Chicago in the Northeast <laughs> is uh, the good old Deerfield Beach where I'm located at, and it is definitely a, a paradise down here. But uh, we have also, and then we also have offered uh, trainings that they have to be done um, by uh, uh, region and with select. Uh, appointments or however you may with that and that's with the gauge panel uh tile that's been a gauge porcelain tile that's been a huge uh request uh to have that type of training so we're a little bit more limited on that but they are available at uh, all of these locations okay we got 90 seconds left so the website address is Okay, the best one to hit is for United States is www.mapei.us 
Thank you, John, and uh, I'll be talking to you so we can continue this conversation and uh, talk a little bit more about some of the other products and some of the other issues that we run into. So, again, John, thank you for your time. Awesome. It's been a pleasure, Fred. It's been an honor to be a guest on your show. Thank you. Thank you. All righty, folks, there you have it. I'm going to get John on the line here uh, uh, in a little bit and try to schedule a part two because there's definitely a lot of information. In the meantime, if you want to go ahead and check out the remaining shows, uh, we've got uh, close to 50 shows now. Uh, also, the video blog, I want to mention that. Send me an email to fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at gmail.com. I've been doing a weekly video blog, and I think I'm up to like the eighth one so far. So if you want to take a look at that, uh, go ahead and send me an email and we'll get you on that list as well. Alrighty, see everybody next week and everybody have a great rest of the week.